following is an encore presentation from the Genius Network Show at GeniusNetwork.com. The original presentation can be found at GeniusNetwork.com forward slash 43. That's GeniusNetwork.com forward slash 43. In this episode, you'll discover the truth about technology, the dangers and opportunities entrepreneurs face, what every parent can do to ensure their child has a healthy relationship with technology, how to use technology in a way that makes you more productive and focused, and more with Randy Zuckerberg. Randy Zuckerberg is an entrepreneur, author, investor, and media personality. As an early employee at Facebook, she led major marketing initiatives in the company's formative years and helped create Facebook Live. If you would like access to the full presentation, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash 305. The original presentation can be found at geniusnetwork.com forward slash 43. That's geniusnetwork.com forward slash 43. Four, three. I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. This is Joe Polish, and I've got Randy Zuckerberg on the line with me, and I'm going to ask her a bunch of questions and talk about uh, what she's been up to. Uh, so, Randy, you're in New York right now, right? I am, and it's uh, nice and sunny here, so uh, this is a good season. <laughs> well, good. Well, because uh, you, you tweeted yesterday that the weather in New York was awful, so I guess it's better there today. And uh, the, the weather here in Phoenix is 119 today, 119 degrees. So I would wow, actually say right. the weather here kind of sucks. But nonetheless, so for people that don't know your background, let me do a real quick bio. This is the only part of this that I'll read anything, and then we'll jump into some, uh, some conversation. So who is Randy Zuckerberg? Okay, she is an entrepreneur, investor, author, and media personality. As an early employee at Facebook, she led major marketing initiatives in the company's formative years and helped create Facebook Live, which is now used by more than a billion people around the globe. She's published three books, Dot Complicated, a New York Times bestseller about our sometimes overly wired lives, and Dot, a children's book about a tech-savvy little girl which airs as an animated children's show on NBC Sprout in partnership with Jim Henson Productions. Randy's third book, Missy President, a graphic novel about a nine-year-old girl who became who becomes president, was released in fall 2016. In addition to books, Randy's an executive producer on three television shows, hosts a weekly business talk radio show on Sirius XM, is a frequent contributor on the Today Show, host of American Dreams on HSN, where she finds entrepreneurs from all over the country and helps them sell their products in real time on air. And when she's not creating content about entrepreneurs, she's an active angel investor with a portfolio that she is proud to say has 53% female founders and almost 30% diverse founders. In her free time, Randy loves to act and sing and is a lifelong lover of musical theater. But above all, Randy's favorite job is mom. She has a BA in psychology from Harvard University and currently enjoys life in New York City with her husband and two young sons. So, Randy, that's your bio, but I've, uh, I've read and watched a lot about what you're up to. And aside from what I mentioned in your bio, a few things that appear you're up to. I just saw a video you did, um, 300 burpees with a crew of people to raise money for Broadway <laughs> Cares and Equity Funds, uh, fight Equity yeah. Fights AIDS, and uh, that was cool. 
and you know you sing, you do all kinds of uh, speaking, your new company, you know, dot, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd love to have you. We'll start with you telling me what your focus is and what are some of the things you're involved in right now that you think are pretty cool. Sure. Well, um, gosh, I, so I have my own company now, Zuckerberg Media, and our focus is really putting tech-savvy, smart, entrepreneurial women and girls at the center of pop culture. Um, if, if I can backtrack just a little bit, I loved my time working in Silicon Valley. It was incredible to be on the front lines of social media and innovation, uh, but I always had this nagging feeling out there of, you know, why was I the only woman in the room? Is there only one demographic that gets to decide what's innovative in the world? And uh, when I went to start my own company, I came up with the hypothesis, you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, that um, this wasn't something that was going to be solved inside Silicon Valley, that it was going to be really solved by the content that goes out there in the media, what girls and women see on television, what they see in pop culture, what they read. So uh, in Zuckerberg Media, we have our hands in pretty much every avenue where women and girls are engaging with media and pop culture. We have books, television shows, radio shows, but we're also doing all kinds of live events, theatrical, um, all with the aim of putting smart women and girls in the center of the action. No, that's awesome. And, you know, I, I have to I actually mention this <clears throat> because what – what I just did over the weekend, I have a buddy named J.P. Sears, who's a comedian. He's had over 250 million views of his videos. And on Saturday, we just did an impromptu at 4.52 p.m. on Saturday, which was, you know, it's now Tuesday morning that I'm talking to you, at least in Arizona. I know there's a time difference. And we recorded on Facebook Live, which you basically were, you know, helped create. And we did this interview on addiction, and it was an, over an hour long. And now, the last I looked, right before we started this uh, this this conversation, me and you had, there's over 92,700 and something views. And so approximately, since we aired that thing, 1,415 people per hour have watched this. And it just keeps going, getting bigger and bigger. And my friend uh, Ariana Huffington actually posted it on Thrive Global uh, yesterday. And so we're getting more airplay out of this. And here's this fascinating you know, world that you speak about all the, you know, possibilities of it, but then also the downside of being totally interconnected. And so that's one thing I'd, I'd love to just ask you about um, the, these incredible tools and how much can be done. Your focus on female entrepreneurs and as it relates to technology. Uh, so I'd like to talk about the, the, the wonderful sides of this and the dark sides of this and how someone in your position, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have a an inside scoop of what really is happening in, in, in technology and how to actually manage it because it's it's so incredible in so many ways. And on the flip side, it it is it can consume your life as you so, are so outspoken about, especially in your book, you know, dot complicated. So I'd like to kind of focus on as it relates to entrepreneurs because the vast majority of people that listen to my podcast. And we'll be coming to my Genius Network annual event, which you'll be one of the presenters and speakers. We're going to do an interview on stage. Those are the, the people that I deal with. So let's kind of talk about, uh, you know, you've dealt with a lot of entrepreneurs. What's your perspective on them and how does how does technology fit into all of this? Hmm. Uh, and this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. It's It's interesting because I think when you live and work in a tech town like Silicon Valley, um, 
every it's easy to drink the Kool-Aid. Pretty much everyone you talk to is all the time thinking like, yeah, technology, like who are we disrupting today? What industry are we coming for? And um, it really wasn't until I stepped outside of Silicon Valley and started doing more traveling to other cities, spending time, more time in New York, um, that I kind of started to see the, the flip sides, and that I did start to see that everything, um, all of this technology we had, even though it's bringing so much opportunity and just amazing connection, uh, it's helping our professional lives, our personal lives, there's always a flip side, right? And sometimes that flip side comes a decade later. Um, for example, I mean, I remember waking up every day during Arab Spring and uh, the 2008 election and thinking like, oh my gosh, we've, we're giving a voice to everyone. This is so amazing. And then uh, I kind of sat up during this past election and said, oh my gosh, we gave a voice to everyone. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's so everything... Everything has a flip side. For me, um, a few of the interesting things I was seeing, I touched already on the fact that um, the tech world is this world of incredible innovation, yet uh, in some ways it's so unwelcoming to women and diverse founders. And that's a, a real kind of dot complicated scenario that I see because um, if we are, you know, if tech is driving all of the innovation that we're seeing in the future in marketing and business, we want to make sure that it's welcoming to everyone, not just one demographic. The other thing that I found is I found that um, the environment for founders themselves was getting increasingly toxic. Um, there's increased pressure to have shorter and shorter turnaround periods of starting your company to selling it. Um, there's you know, a real thought that you have to be 24-7 focused on your startup or you're distracted, you're not a real entrepreneur. And um, I, I think that's pretty unhealthy. We're all three-dimensional people in life, as you mentioned. I love marketing and business, but I also love to sing and go to the theater. It's not healthy to be 24 hours a day only in your startup, uh, excluding everything else in your life. So I think there's a lot of things that are going on right now in the tech and startup world that are both um, really incredible, but also dangerous if left unchecked. And uh, we were in an interesting period of having to examine both those things side by side. No, totally. I agree. You know, I'd love to. What is what is your mission behind your dot complicated brand? I mean, what what do you, I mean? I know it's probably evolved since you started it, and you're learning new things every day. But like, what is what is it really? Uh, about for you? For me, it's uh, I've been calling it untangling our wired, wonderful lives. I think um, a lot of people feel very overwhelmed by technology, especially when I talk to parents. And uh, what ends up happening is when parents feel overwhelmed by technology, they don't introduce their children to it. Um, or they come to technology from a place of fear. They're, they think about tech as they feel guilty giving their kids technology or they think, you know, everything is a privacy concern. And yeah, there are definitely concerns when it comes to children in tech, but especially if you have a daughter and you don't introduce her to technology because you're fearful of it yourself, you're putting your daughter at such a disadvantage in a world that's already stacked against women in tech. So um, that's one of my big initiatives is talking to, especially to parents, uh, to get them more comfortable, excited, seeing the opportunity that tech brings into families and children's lives so that they can come to it from a place of, of understanding, not from a place of fear. 
Right. Well, talk about talk about your kids and how you actually how old are they? How do you interact with them as it relates to technology and any, I guess, uh, tips or suggestions that you either do or that you've learned or are implementing that you think are going to make the biggest difference with a, a healthy sort of, um, you know, experience with all of the amazing things? Because I mean, and as I even ask you that, it's kind of a complicated question. I don't even know how the hell I would answer it, but I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective. No, it's crazy. I mean, I have, my kids are six and two, so um, they're young still. Uh, I you know I have a lot of years of being glued to screens ahead of me, I'm sure. It's interesting because um, people always ask me how much screen time that I give my children, and um, I say not very much. And then they say, oh, well, I thought you were so tech savvy. And my answer is, well, that's not the question you asked me. You asked me how much screen time I give them. I my kids have tons of technology. They play with little robots. They do coding. They have engineering puzzles and concepts. Um, I think what's happening right now with most parents is when they think about kids and tech, they their mind immediately goes to an image of a child on a sofa glued to an iPad. And for me, that's not what tech should be for children. Um, tech time and screen time are two very different concepts in my mind in our household. And uh, I think it's very possible to introduce children to tech in a way that gets them excited, that show, you know, experiences creativity and learning that never, ever has them glued to a screen. Right, right. Interesting. You know, I, I've... Uh... I don't know if you ever saw the documentary uh, Screenagers, which came out of, uh, you know. Yes, it's a great, great documentary. Totally. And there's, I don't even know the stats. If anyone would maybe know you, but I've, I heard some statistic that based, I don't even know how they would do this, but uh, it was about two weeks ago. I heard a stat that based on the average American's life, they're sp- currently a Facebook time. They're currently spending four years of their life on Facebook. Have, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's like hours a day that people are spending um, on their phone. I mean, more hours than they're sleeping. So I, you're right. I don't know how the math works out, but it, it's interesting because, like you said, there's two sides to everything, right? There's there's the side where you think, okay, oh my gosh, are my children going to be wasting all this time online? On the other hand, I look at you know when I was younger, I used to love making little like at home videos and telling stories. And I look at the tools of storytelling and videography and music and creativity that children have today. And it is mind blowing. Like when I think about in one little phone, all of the storytelling powers that children have, like what I would have done with that when I was younger. Um, But on the other hand, I also think about some of the emerging tech like virtual reality. And uh, there's so many exciting things that are happening in the VR space. On the other hand, when you think about kids and VR, there's already so many issues around children and violent video games and what that's doing in our schools. What happens when you put a kid in an immersive violent video game? Um, You know, are are we going to have children walking around with PTSD like like symptoms of, you know, having experienced an immersive violent event? I think there's, you know, there's a lot of things about tech that we have to both celebrate and be very mindful of. Yeah, no, you're you're, you're absolutely right, and I I think about that quite a bit. I mean, I've been to TED the last couple of years, and I've gone through, you know, some very interesting VR experiences, uh, and I've had meetings with, you know, 
investment pitches and, and things related to some of the VR experiences. And, and in my world, you know, I have my marketing business where I you know, build better entrepreneurs is my goal and initiative with, with Genius Network. And then there's my passion projects, which are Joe Volunteer, which is kind of like Uber for volunteers that we just recently cool. started. And uh, then there's uh, Artists for Addicts, where we have a platform where we are selling art and we're using the revenue to put out the educational arm, which is called Genius Recovery, which as I'm speaking to you, this will be you know, we're just getting ready to launch the educational side where we're putting most of the educational things out to the world for free because uh, our goal is to change the global conversation about how people view addicts and treat addiction with compassion instead of judgment and then find the best forms of treatment that have efficacy and share these with people. And there's the, the drug and alcohol. You don't know this about me, Randy, but I'll tell you. Like when I was uh, 18 years old in my worst state, I weighed 105 pounds from freebasing cocaine. I nearly died from being an addict. So I'm very familiar with the pain and suffering that comes from, from addiction. And I know where that stems from because of events that happened in my childhood. And so I'm very interested. You know, it's not just drugs and alcohol. Uh, it's uh, behaviors. It's uh, sex addiction. It's gambling addiction. It's gaming addiction. It's eating. It's uh, it's electronics. And and I there's so much of these dopamine hits that come mm-hmm. from uh, electronics and looking at it. And if you don't manage modern life, which most people don't, it's going to manage you. And so I, and what you were you were just saying about VR. You know, I think the you know what what will really start consuming people from a negative standpoint is is blood sport like you were saying with video games and uh, anything related to to sex pornography and, and and that sort of stuff and then of course there's people in silicon valley that are putting uh, vr goggles on homeless uh, people and it's in looking at what it's doing to their brain and it's actually reducing stress so you can use it in a very positive therapeutic way it's just man i mean it is kind of scary to see what is going to happen in the negative side to compared to the to the positive side? So, having said all that, um, what's your best advice for entrepreneurs and for you know parents uh, to become more productive and best manage uh, their time, their energy, their attention as it relates to all of this? I you know it's a struggle, and I think um, one of my biggest pieces of advice is it's really easy, especially if you have children to think a lot about rules for your kids, rules for other people. Um, the hardest thing for all of us, like you were saying, is shining the light, shining the mirror on yourself and your own uh, relationship with technology. That's the, the hardest thing because, you know, I can make rules for my children until I'm blue in the face, but where do I think they're learning their relationship with tech from? They're learning it from me. And uh, unless I demonstrate a good relationship with it, there's no hope for them. So, um I, uh, it's interesting, a few years ago, I actually had the opportunity to perform in a Broadway show, which was a, an incredible experience. And uh, that was the first time in my life that I had to have forced unplugging every single night because uh, you're not, you know, you're not going to go off stage and say like, sorry, audience who's paying $100 a ticket. Like I'm I need to go send a text message in the wings now. Like, no, you're, you're performing, you're on stage. Um, and so almost every night for three to four hours, I would just, you know, put my phone in the dressing room and then go do the show and, and not come look at my phone until the end. And, uh, that was one of, um, that was actually a practice that even when I stopped being in the show, I kept in my daily life. I now, uh, 
try to have, you know, a two to three hour block of unplugging every day. It's, it's hard. You have to build up to it. Um, I either I write, I read, I go to the gym. Like you said, I sometimes I do a lot of burpees, which is very masochistic. But, you know, like I do things that don't involve a phone that just involve, you know, like a emotional, tactile experience with the world. And um, for me, I find that uh, I make up that time in spades by being much more recharged and refreshed and uh, able to get work, crank out work when I get back to my phone. So I, I don't find that I miss the time. Yeah, no, that's actually, I think it makes one more productive. I mean, I've, I've literally, I got trained in uh, transcendental meditation in 2012. So I meditate uh, daily. Uh, once in a while, I'll, I'll skip because I'll just be traveling or whatever. And I, you know, it's either, well, do I get a night of sleep or do I meditate? Uh, but you just mentioned burpees. I do between 30 to 120 burpees every single day. Uh, okay, that's. That is really badass. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and what got me into this is uh, this guy named Joe DeSetta, who who founded Spartan Races. He's had over a million people go through his races, giant company. And he came into town to interview me. And he's like, let's do some burpees before our interview. And, and I, I literally had a cold. Uh, and I, I'm like, man, I'm sick as a dog right now. I can't. You know, my nose is so stuffed up, I'm wheezy. He's like, no, no, we'll go slow. We did 60 burpees, and I thought I was going to die. I mean, you were, you, people can watch the video on your page of you doing, you know, 300 with these people. Uh, but burpees are, yeah, it is, they kill you. But it's, it, it literally, I, I am having to even do tricks on myself. Because I think in, in modern life, if you, it is so magnetically addictive to have your phone, and, and you get conditioned to it. And I swear, I mean, it. I don't know... Do you, have you done or studied much research on what looking at screens actually does to the brain? I got to imagine you have some interesting things. Yeah, on I mean, it. I've done, I've, I've read a lot of research on what it does at night, um, how it delays your ability to fall asleep. The average person is able to fall asleep within um, ten to fifteen minutes. If you look at your phone, it takes much, much longer to fall asleep. So you're really depriving yourself of um, of a good night's sleep when you look at at the phone. Um, but you're right. You mentioned the dopamine hit um, that you get every time even you see a new text message or an email pop up. And uh, what's so scary to me about what that is doing to our brains is um, when you look at stats around people text messaging and driving, um, almost 100% of people know that it is bad to text message and drive. Um, but everyone still does it because that dopamine burst that you get from looking at that text message is so strong. It actually like overrides your um, kind of like your survival and safety mechanisms. And that's what's scary to me. Like when I walk down the streets of New York city and I see everyone just like with their faces down glued in their phones, like it's dangerous to walk on the, on the streets. You know, there's taxis and, and bicycles and everything. So that to me um, really interests me of what it's doing to our brain that's so addictive that we will compromise our own safety in order to look at a text message that probably says nothing. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think what you, you're even saying about doing a Broadway play and doing the burpees and doing, it's like literally finding other things in your life that will give you, you know, really positive dopamine hits and find other things other than technology. Because if you just default to 
living your whole life behind screens, it it becomes being glopped in kind of the old days before the internet existed, being glopped in front of uh, TVs, you know, and just totally. it, it it just it just takes you in. So you know, what was it what was it like growing up in the Zuckerberg family? I mean, because obviously, you know, your family, you 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 guys pretty much are a giant, you know, tech, technological industry transformers. So, I mean, what was, what was your family life like? You know, I wish that I could, I wish I could tell you some, you know, like, Oh, like we knew, you know, it was that the Zuckerberg name was going to become like, like the Rockefeller name. Like, but I mean, I have to tell you, we were your very average suburban middle-class family. I grew up about an hour outside of New York city. Um, We all kind of had our own interests. I pretty much did only musical theater and singing my entire childhood. Like I thought I was going to be an opera star. Um, You know, my brother is very into computers, obviously worked out well for him. Um, My two younger sisters had their own interests too. And, um, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to my parents. My parents were both doctors. It would have been very, very easy for them to kind of shepherd us into medicine to take over their practices. You know, that's what they knew. Um, It would have been very easy for them to put that pressure on us, and they never did. They uh, always really encouraged us to be three-dimensional people and, um, you know, really gave us this this feeling that the things that we were passionate about, that was what was going to make us successful in business and in life. In fact, I remember my mom used to tell me... um, She's like, Randy, if you can go audition for plays at like 10 years old and get rejected and pick yourself back up and audition for another one, she's like, I think you can handle anything that life or business throws at you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, so what do you, what do you think made you an entrepreneur? I think, um, I mean, gosh, I feel like I was, I feel like you're always either a little entrepreneurial or you're not. Um, And even from a young age, I was always looking for for different and new ways to do things and different ways to tell stories. Um, On the other hand, though, I do feel like it's it's a product of the environment that you're in. I spent a you know a few years working in the corporate world after I graduated from college. I was at an ad agency. I spent some time at Forbes. I loved those experiences. At the same time, in the corporate world, you know exactly what the next 10 years of your career is going to look like. You know, okay, if I work hard, then in two years, I'll get promoted to this rank, and then I'll do this, and I'll do this. And then I spent some time out in Silicon Valley, and I realized, oh, my gosh, like there's no rules to this game here. You can bypass years in your career. You can work for someone who's 20 years younger than you. Like, there's no rules. And um, that was really exciting Working at Facebook was an incredible experience. You know, we really had a company culture that made it feel like anyone could put an idea out there and you didn't have to worry about looking silly or stupid or feeling judged. And I think part of it is is being in an environment where you are encouraged to think creatively and think like an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of us could be doing a better job of that in our own businesses and our own lives. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, I mean, the the original definition of an entrepreneur, which I've always loved, was uh, by a French guy in 1804 named John Baptiste Says, the first documented use of the word entrepreneur. And he says an entrepreneur is an individual that 
um, takes resources from a, a lower yield to a higher yield, basically a, a lower level of productivity to a higher level of productivity. And so I think when an, whenever a human can create something or do something or think in a certain way that just creates value, that's how I define entrepreneurship. I don't define it just as like, oh, someone's selling something that kills people. I mean, you can use you know business strategy and stuff to make a lot of money selling products that are harmful or services that are you know, killing people, but it's really when it creates some level of advancement and you're able to tap into resourcefulness. I think that's what the ultimate sort of entrepreneurial expression is. Uh, so do you think entrepreneurs are made or born? I mean, do you have a perspective on that? I think there's a little of both. I think you have to be a little bit kind of passionate slash crazy to be an entrepreneur. There's really no good reason on paper that anyone should want to be an entrepreneur because, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. You have these amazing highs and you have these crazy low lows and everything in between. And sometimes those two things happen within the same hour. Um, so it's, you know, it's really, um, it, no one rational wakes up and is like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. But I think, um, so you have to have inside of you, and this is not something that you can learn. You have to have kind of a like a blind passion and and such a love for the problem that you're trying to solve and the way you're trying to solve it that you can ride out any of those highs and lows. Now, at the same time, though, you can't like only rely on that blind passion within you. You have to look at data. You have to understand the, the market situations going on around you. And that's what I think is the learned component. I see a lot of entrepreneurs who are passionate. And for me, that's not enough to invest in them. I need passion and the ability to communicate and understand data and understand what's going on. Those two together, I think, make a really winning combination for an entrepreneur. So you can't only walk in with the data and say, like, I'm doing this because there's a market gap but you also can't have only passion. And that's why I think um, it's, a, it's a bit of both learned and, uh, and nurtured. I love it. I love it. That's a great criteria, too, considering you probably get thrown more business opportunities to look at than most people. So that's awesome. Well, you're going to be at this year's Genius Network annual event, and we're going to be doing an uh, interview live on stage. And I'm going to you know, share with the audience not only hearing this, this uh, conversation we're having right now, but uh, anything that will be useful so that by the time you are at this event, uh, we have an audience that actually kind of knows uh, quite a bit about you and and would be wanting to engage in some conversations. And I'm going to filter out the, the very best and most useful questions that I think will be most helpful to entrepreneurs. And so I just want to ask you, what are questions that people ask you that you really love? And what are questions that people ask you that you really just hate or just really don't like? Do you have, do you have any? Oh, uh, gosh. No, I mean, I, I love anything. Anything that's on the mind of an entrepreneur is something that I want to talk about. Um, and in fact, the questions that I get, that actually helps me learn more about what entrepreneurs are thinking of. So, you know, if there's any advice that I can give, whether it's on um, the side of, you know, entrepreneurs who are raising money, entrepreneurs who are scaling, entrepreneurs who are thinking, how do I get heard in a crowded, noisy world of marketing out there? Um, you know, those are all things that I, I love to talk about and think through. Um, you know, I especially love to talk about how to create a great culture inside your company. I think it's so important. Way too many entrepreneurs think about how to get that next sale. Like we tend to only think externally about getting clients and customers. 
and we spend no time thinking about our own company culture and empowering our employees to be better. So um, that's something I think that that's really great to talk about. But in general, I'll talk about anything. Like I'll sing, you know, what, whatever you want to do. We could do burpees. I like I'm I'm game. You know, we, we, if you're if you're actually saying that, then be be ready because I will totally do burpees on stage with you. And oh, I no. I'll, I'll do burpees. Like I'll sing karaoke with you. You know, whatever. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Now, I've actually been I've been encouraging people to wake up every morning and I say, look, if you're injured or, you know, you're you're, you're they're hard. I, I don't I honestly don't know of a more difficult like just body exercise that a person could do because your your heart will start beating out of your chest after about 10 burpees and until you get really conditioned and but I have been getting a whole slew of people to start doing burpees every morning like you know you might have to run to the restroom first or something but before you even brush your teeth if you can literally wake up and and assuming you got decent sleep you know I, i tell people start with one the first day go to two the next day and build up to you know doing 30 and i swear it will make you feel so much better not only physically but mentally and especially when you're traveling and so i i believe you know i love this proverb i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead i'm kind of i'm kind of rent no, it's it's an exercise you can do anywhere, especially for people who are traveling on the road. And just that sense of accomplishment that you feel, like you can crank burpees out in five minutes. And like that sense of accomplishment that you feel carries you through the whole day. It's a, it's a fantastic high. I, I agree, totally. It's It's been one of the best things that I have done for priming. And I still work out. I do quite a bit of yoga. And I've started to do burpees in between like lifting weights and it just adds a level of intensity that just makes it better. So we'll we'll, we'll wrap it because I know you got to go pick up your son here in just a few minutes. So uh, any rituals that of all the stuff you've learned, being so connected, being so exposed to incredible entrepreneurs, being a Zuckerberg, I mean, all the stuff that you're doing, uh, getting pitched all the time to invest in companies and just your pretty expansive life that you have, any rituals or things that you have either do or you would recommend that entrepreneurs do to just give them uh, an additional edge and uh, to be more effective? Yes. Uh, I'm so glad you asked that because there's a um, kind of almost like a mantra that I have every day that I've been trying to share with entrepreneurs for, for the past few years now because I think society keeps telling us that we should aim to be well-balanced that that's the the thing that all of us should aim for, that we should aim to like do everything in our lives well every day. I think that's unrealistic. It's dangerous. And quite frankly, when I look back in my life of the things that I've done that I'm most proud of, I never, ever did anything that I felt accomplished by when I was being well-balanced. So um, my kind of uh, advice to entrepreneurs is to think about how to, how to be well-lopsided in a way that that works for your life. And so I I have a personal mantra called pick three. And uh, I wake up in the morning and I say five categories to myself, friends, family, work, sleep, fitness, pick three. Because you don't get to pick all five of them every single day. You can pick a different three tomorrow, but every day you should pick three and you should just nail those three things and give yourself permission to be well lopsided that day. And as long as it balances out over the long run, that's going to be what really sets you up for success in entrepreneurship, in your personal life, and in all of your endeavors. That is actually 
amazingly useful and powerful advice. Uh, it reminds me, I, the guy that I learned marketing from, this crazy copywriter early on, I mean, I've learned marketing from tons of people, but this is like one of my first introductions, this, this crazy copywriter named Gary Halbert, who passed away in 2006, but he, he became a, a good friend and he was brilliant and manic depressive and all over the board. And he would talk about how so many entrepreneurs are lopsided losers. He's like, they'll make a lot of money, but they're just so out of whack. And I like how you said a well lopsided thing, because I've always remembered that lopsided comment. And he would tell this story about this guy that came to one of his seminars that had 56 hardware stores. And he was 60 pounds overweight. His cholesterol was through the roof. He had already had heart surgery. He had a couple of kids he'd not spoken with in several years, uh, divorced, uh, and you know his number one goal uh, when he came to his event was to open up his 57th hardware store. And he's like, "What the hell is wrong with you? I mean, you know, you have all this money, yeah. you have all this stuff." And I, so I think what you just said is a great point. So it's it's friends, family, work. What are the other two categories? I didn't write them down quickly. Friends, family, work, fitness, and sleep. Wonderful. That Those is so are good. my five. Everyone might have their own five uh, that you choose from. Those are my five. And um, and every day you can pick three of them, and uh, but they need to balance out in the long run, right? Like like if you're that guy with your 57th hardware store and you're only picking work day after day after day and never picking fitness or or family or sleep, you're gonna kill yourself. Um, exactly. But but it's okay. You can give yourself permission to choose work you know, over and over and over again, as long as like, then you're going to be lopsided in the other direction. Yeah, totally. Totally. Wonderful. So Randy, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, share some of your thoughts with, uh, with, with our listeners and you're going to be at the genius network annual event, which is November 3rd and 4th in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is awesome. And what I'd like to do is for people that would want to learn about you, follow you, you're on Twitter, you're on LinkedIn, obviously Facebook, uh, you have your book dot complicated. Where can people learn the most from you and what you're up to and just anything that you think would be most useful for uh, for the yeah. listeners to hear. I think um, I tend to post a lot of business content on Twitter. I'm at Randy Zuckerberg, also on LinkedIn. I do a lot of uh, thought leadership pieces there. Um, if you want to follow more of the fun side of my life with musical theater and uh, and burpees and you name it, um, on Instagram is where I get really personal, and that's uh, just at Randy Zuckerberg, too. So I can't wait to see everyone at the event. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the special episode of I Love Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about the Genius Network annual event, please visit GeniusNetworkEvents.com. That's GeniusNetworkEvents.com. If you would like access to the full interview, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ILoveMarketing.com forward slash 305. That's ILoveMarketing.com forward slash 305.